Welcome back to Be Great With Nate, the podcast that trains you to master your mind, body, and emotions to help you take complete control of your life. I'm your host, your coach, Nate Ortiz. I'm enthusiastic about teaching you how to manage your health and mindset while you pursue your goals in life. My goal is to clear your confusion regarding the body, mind, and life itself. If you want to learn how to become the best version of yourself, then you're going to want to stick around. Are you stuck in fight or flight? When I came across this information, it basically resonated with me very deeply because of not only of me being able to relate to this situation, but also having a bunch of clients who have these issues as well. And being stuck in fight or flight can happen subconsciously. And what I mean by that is you can be someone who is having issues and you're seeing a bunch of different therapists or uh, different life coaches and business coaches and watching a bunch of YouTube videos or even listen to a bunch of podcasts trying to figure your way out of this situation. And you may just be stuck in fight or flight subconsciously. I want to go through a couple of things. And then I, my reference, I'm going to uh, throw out there uh, right now. So you can look into this a little more. Some of this information I'm going to throw your way right now is going to be coming from the body keeps the score on pages 43 to 47. Um, there's great information in here. And I wanted to throw this reference in here for you. So you don't so you have somewhere to go after this if you want to get a little deeper in this, but I will be bringing a couple podcasts back to back on trying to help you with this situation. Being stuck in fight or flight is a thing that I see in two different people. Number one, uh, you're going to see it with people who have some type of trauma, okay? A lot of people who have trauma, some people who have trauma at a very young age don't really remember it or don't really uh, make their connections to um, their issues today to their childhood. I see that a lot. So if there's someone that may not have like, um, bad trauma, then we want to know if you were stuck in survival mode at a very young age, did you move a lot Were both of your parents present? Right. Um, because if you had a parent that was not present, there may have been some compensation. Um, were you able to eat or get meals throughout the day? Were you able to sleep comfortably at night? Um, you know, anything that has to do with survival mode. Was it done? Was it, were you okay? Is basically the moral of that story. So when you do have some type of trauma, um, what happens is a lot of times, uh, you see, I, I, I suffer. This is something I'm just going to admit to you. I suffer from anxiety disorder. Um, but I use it in an amazing way. I use it and alchemize it to allow me to get work done and to put my enthusiasm and make it, I basically alchemize it into enthusiasm towards my dream. But I have to be very careful what I do throughout the day. I have to be careful what I eat. I have to be careful to not, I mean, to make sure I get enough sleep. I got to be careful and moving my body enough because my anxiety can get my brain overwhelmed to where I become, become an overthinker. And then I become someone who is, uh, I have paralysis by analysis. I have so much information that I'm, I own so many different plans and so many different courses that I'm going through that I won't get anything done. Okay. And I'll go through some other steps, but I just want to throw that in there. I'm not just someone who just reads these things and want to put it out because I, I'm, I'm interested by these because I struggle with this myself and a lot of my clients do too. So I do the best I can. So you got two things. Um, you got the trauma that someone can be going through, but then you also have um, someone that may have been going through um, issues as a child that may not 
related to trauma. And then number two, you have someone who's always stressed out. You see stress, the hormone cortisol that is related to stress is the same hormone that usually people fluctuate when they have a trauma as well. Okay. And I'm going to bring you through something. So number one, sensations can be triggered. The sound or images that relate to a trauma really trigger the stress hormone in a person subconsciously. So some people will go through a fight or flight and not even realize they're going through fight or flight or don't notice that their fight or flight is coming from a sound or a smell or an image that related or reminded their subconscious mind about a trauma they went through, which then brings their body to re-experience a trauma biologically. But mentally, this is what he explains in the book, a lot of people mentally don't even think they're going through anything, but biologically, their hormones spike really big. And the, the hormones you're going to have is adrenaline and cortisol is going to be the two. Well, that goes to say for my my second type of person who is always in a uh, high stress environment or drinking too much caffeine or having blood sugar issues. I know I say this over and over again, but I'm telling you, these things are things that cause people to be too stressed. Okay, or even having a lot of toxins in your body. So the stress hormone of traumatized people and the stress hormone of people who have too much stress in their life as it is, um, have issues with their hormonal system. But the stress hormones of traumatized people take much longer to return to baseline and spike quickly to mildly stress. So just something that could be simple, simple can overwhelm a person that has been through fight or flight most of their life. And, uh, and, the, and, the, and the, an amazing thing that comes from this is that the amazing information that I've learned from this is that the left brain called the broker's part of the brain, it turns off and then it creates speaking or speech issues. So anytime I see someone that has issues speaking up for themselves, um, I look for body language with it. I look at how their shoulders are positioned, if they're playing around with their hands or if they're moving side to side when they talk to me, not looking straight at me. I'm I'm already seeing that there, there may be some type of trauma from this person. In the book, he explains when a person is going through uh, stress, the left brain part of the, um, uh, which is called the broker's brain and the part that he's uh, explaining in the book, it turns off. And that part of your brain is responsible to be able to be analytical. It's a part of the brain that is responsible to take what you're feeling and put it into words. But what he explains is that when a person is under a lot of stress or a person is traumatized or goes through a trauma, they usually can get stuck and they usually freeze or they can't explain anything because they are, their left brain isn't, is not operating as well. So the ability to put things into words is very difficult for that person. When I was a kid, I used to stutter a lot and I had speaking issues. For those that don't know, I was born uh, as a drug baby. My mom had me when she was uh, using recreational drugs. I had issues even coming out the hospital as a child. And my, when I grew up, I had a lot of nervous system issues. Um, the doctors told my, my father that I would not be able to, I'm going to be a child that's going to need an assistant by him, by my side my whole life, like a special needs um, person. So um, when it came down to speaking, my dad used to stop me as a child and say, no, Nate, repeat that sentence. And he used to train me on speaking because I had a lot of speech, uh, speech issues. And 
what I'm trying to say is that came from a lot of the trauma that I went through. And that came from a lot of the, I went through so much trauma, even being in a womb of my mother, that as soon as I came out into this world, I was on uh, rehab and they were detoxing my body from the drugs. So my body already was very overwhelmed, which usually what happens is since the left brain is not working as well, the right brain is usually the, the side of the brain that is working very, uh, working more. And that's the side of the brain for sensation. That's the side for imagination. That's the side that usually is associated with art and creativity and intuition. And I think that's why a lot of you that may have trauma or may be stuck in fight or flight, some of you are going to be very intuitive. Uh, some of you are going to be very creative. Um, one of the reasons why is because you're tapped into that side of the brain a little more. Okay, so the mind can and will ignore stress, right? You can be in denial. People can be in denial with stress. Their body registers stress, though, and their conscious mind can go off as if nothing is happening. But what happens is, as that happens, the stress gets louder and louder. It gets, you you go through deeper pain. It comes in different ways to get your attention. Some of the examples that he names in the book that happens, the first couple of things that happen with people that are not registering the uh, stress consciously, but they're going through it. It can show up today with memory issues, irritability. Attention problems and sleep issues are usually the first couple things that happen. So elevated uh, stress state basically signals the alarm in your body. And um, the more that you're conscious, you're not conscious of it, the, the louder the hormones keep sending the signal to the muscles to tense for action. So usually you're going to see these people have stiff bodies or tight bodies. I usually see tight calves, Achilles, tight trap muscles around the neck and a tight upper abdominals, okay? So the physical effects like pain will increase until you notice and take action for change, okay? So when I see tense muscles, here's a couple things that I wrote down myself. I usually see people usually really tense with their hands, making a grip with their hands like a fist, a tight jaw, tight chest muscles, tight upper abdominals, tight calves, and tight trap muscles, okay? So... How does the fight or flight system work? How does this happen? Well, this is my work now. Um, it works by the nervous system perceives a threat. All right? Anytime the nervous system perceives a threat or anything that's stressful, that can be anything through sense of seeing, smelling, feeling, etc. The nervous system usually communicate the, the automatic. Uh, your system goes through something called the hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal. It's the HPA axis. And what happens is usually the body would trigger, um, the, the adrenals would uh, release something called cortisol. Cortisol immediately turns on the, the part of the autonomic nervous system called the sympathetic nervous system, turns that on. And as it turns on, your body goes into fight or flight. And as your body goes into fight or flight, the more fight or flight you are, the more out of balance you get. Usually when someone's really fight or flight dominant, they're going to have issues with dry skin. Uh, even a dry mouth, uh, dry eyeballs. They're going to have issues with digestion because it turns off the digestion, your digestive juices, for an example. So you can usually start seeing people like with GERD, irritable bowel syndrome, SIBO, because when you're eating the food, since you're turning off your digestion, your food is not being digested. And 
the digestive juices are not being um, basically produced like stomach acid. So if you don't have enough stomach acid, food goes into your stomach with no stomach acid to break down protein. So usually these people, they usually immediately don't feel well when they eat protein. And then they start having, you know, thoughts or feelings that they shouldn't eat protein anymore because they may think protein is bad for them and they feel a little better when they don't. But then now they're going down a different road of now being deficient in protein altogether with vitamin B, iron, zinc, et cetera. And you can't break down protein without enough efficient stomach acid. Stomach acid turns that protein into amino acids for then digestive enzymes to take those amino acids and basically assimilate it for you. So the first thing, those are the couple of things that you'll see. You'll also see someone have not um, the, they won't have the ability to breathe deep into the pelvic floor. So their heart rate's going to increase in fight or flight, and then they're going to create shallow breathing. That's what's going to create the upper abdominals and chest muscles that get pretty tight because <laughs> you're breathing like that. And then what usually happens is since you're not breathing deep into your your pelvic floor, you're not really getting oxygen through the parts of the body that are furthest away from your body, like especially your calves and your ham. I mean, your calves and Achilles. Those are just to name a few things that usually happen. The reason why your body dries out is because when you're in fight or flight, you're not producing enough. Your body, your, that's one of the known things. Your body dries out. Um, and the opposite side of the fight or flight is going to be rest and digest, and it's called the parasympathetic nervous system. So one goal is to get you from being in fight or flight to parasympathetic nervous system is do things that are opposite. So if your body's dried out, drinking more water can help you get to the other side. If you're breathing, <laughs> taking some time for meditation and or uh, breath work can help you get to the other side. See that? So those are just some some small things you can do. But the overall thing is to put the fire out, right? And then stop throwing, oil, uh, you know, oil on the fire or fuel on the fire. Another thing fight or flight does is it creates blood sugar issues. In order for your body to appropriately go in fight or flight, it needs sugar. The reason why is because since the body thinks it's going to fight or flight, it needs support of glucose to be able to do so. And if you're in fight or flight, your body produces uh, sugar through something called gluconeogenesis which basically your body produces its own blood sugar. And what happens is when a person is out of fight or flight, they can have hypoglycemia, which means they're tired, hungry, shaky, and then they struggle with fatigue, and then you get foggy brain. Imagine going through this all day. This is not fun. And then the last one I want to throw in here, I don't want to overwhelm you, but I just want to make some connections. The fight or flight system is usually connected to survival, and the more fight or flight you're in, the more your body's going to perceive it's needing to survive. So your brain, the way of thinking goes into, you're going to be working more out of the reptilian brain. Out of the three levels of the brain, the reference for this, that you can learn something, you can learn eat, um, these things in an easy way. is a, I think there's a chapter that Paul Check dedicated to this in his book called How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. I like to use it because it's a simple way he broke it down. There's other scientific ways, but this is an easy way for you to break down. And actually the, the author in this book brings the reptilian brain up a lot as well. In the book, The Body Keeps the Score. 
the more stress a person is in, the more that their body's going to go through a survival checklist. So safety needs to be secured. So you will see this person consciously be driven and then subconsciously be driven to make sure money, money, money's okay. Safety. And if it isn't the language that you're using, isn't like, Oh, I need money. I need money. The language may be showing up as I need to work. I need to make sure I pay my bills. I need to make sure money can become an imbalance in this person's life. Safety. So getting this person to leave a job or to think or dream bigger or take risk is going to be difficult if it's a threat or if it's anything, if their job, if they have a, a great chance of losing their job, if it takes away their safety and security. Okay. Substance. So usually when a person, let's just give a person an example, a person wakes up in the morning, they're in fight or flight throughout the day as they're in fight or flight. And then they go to work. And as they go to work, um, they're going through fight or flight, fight or flight. Usually they're going to skip meals and then snack on things, reach for caffeine. And they go through, go through, go through, go through. They're going to notice eh, the first couple of years of their life, they're not going to really be affected. But then as they get older, they're going to start noticing more fat. That's hard to get rid of. It's hard to lose weight. They're going to start noticing that it's uh, digestive issues come a little more. They're going to start noticing relationship issues going to be difficult. They're going to start noticing um, being irritated or irritable for little things. And then they're going to notice a huge difference when they take that little vacation, how great they feel. And that's usually when they become conscious of it. So what happens with that is when a person gets up and they are subconsciously going through these motions, they'll go to work. After they go to work, then they come out of work and they put themselves in a position now they got their safety and security checked off. Usually by the time a person gets home, they're freaking tired as hell. They have a great chance of going or indulging on a substance or indulging on food. Okay. So it can be indulging, overeating. So throughout the day, they were skipping meals and they, they're the first, usually they tell people, oh, they're confused on how they gain weight. Cause they were like, yeah, I barely eat. But what they're not seeing is that their blood sugar that they keep spiking through fight or flight throughout the day is causing these sub, these little snacking to then spike blood sugar because usually he's snacking his little junk food, granola bars, things that they thought that was healthy that just has a bunch of sugar in it. And then they go home at night and then usually repeat a bad pattern of eating. Um, and then it's usually in a meal form and usually a, 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 some wine or some type of weed and, you know. And then so you got safety, security, substance, and then when all those are checked off, then the brain would care about procreation, sex. But the more that you're in fight or flight, the more likely you're going to have some type of hormonal imbalance like estrogen dominance and women uh, and um, men and women, low libido. You're going to have a bunch of sex issues because of the simple fact that stress, cortisol spikes. Cortisol needs to be fed. Cortisol feeds off nutrition. So cortisol starts to steal the nutrition that is fed to your sex hormones. And it's called progesterone steal. It's called the progesterone steal. So the more stress that a person is under. And look, my friend, when I say stress, you may think your day. Remember, you consciously, you may not think you're stressed at all. But you got to look at where you're doing subconsciously. You got to see what your body's telling you. You got to see... You know, the things that used to do ain't working like it used to because stress is higher, bills are higher, responsibilities are higher, consequences are higher. 
the food that you were able to, your detoxification system that was able to eliminate all the McDonald's or all the junk food you used to eat, it's not doing as well as a job because it's getting a little older. It needs a little assistance. It needs a little more help. You're over pushing. Okay. So you have to come up with a nice little formula for yourself when it comes down to making sure that you're not overdoing these things. Now, the the uh, the steps that a person would take, uh, a person, especially like with trauma, remember I started off, sensations can be triggered uh, or can be triggering. Uh, one of the first things you can do for that, I always recommend seeing a skill for therapist if you feel like you have uh, trauma that you didn't get through and you need a little more help with. Um, it's always, I always recommend that. Number two, Changing your environment is going to be huge for that person alone. Sometimes it ain't worth it. Say if you're at a job that you're making 100000 but that job is causing so much stress or that that job, the boss that at that job is reminding you of a person who used to treat you very bad and it's just so damn stressful. But you're, but you're scared of leaving because of safety and security because of the amount of stress that you're under that's triggering the reptilian brain. It may be appropriate to think like, it's really hard for a person to change when they're stuck in a reptilian brain because a reptilian brain is subconsciously hooked onto routine. So this person does the same thing almost every day. So, but take a deep breath, go on a high vibe walk, moving the body and breathing can help you get into the other side, the parasympathetic nervous system, therefore can help open up the imagination a little more, therefore can help you get into the intellectual brain a little more. As you calm down the body, it may be worth it to take on the job that's probably $80,000 that's a little, you know, that doesn't pay you as much, but gives you more peace. See, the more peace that you have, a lot of you that's going to be on fight or flight are going to be compensating anyway. So you think like, oh, no, I can't leave this. I can't. Well, to tell you the truth, the extra little dollars that you're probably making at that one job, you're subconsciously overspending on things as well. Because now you need, because when a person is stuck, especially if you have childhood trauma, there's a great chance that you could be materialistic. There's a great chance that you can be spent. You have a bad habit of spending. That is a huge connection. So I'm saying that to say to you, when you're going through that, you think that you're, you know, oh, well, I'm in this one city and this one city pays me more, or I have to commute, or I have to be at this one job because it's the best for me. You may think that at the moment, but if you sit down on paper and look how much money you're spending on lunch, you're spending on dinners, you're spending on time, you know, vacations, you're, you're doing, you're spending more, you may be spending more trying to uh, numb yourself from being under so much stress or the harder a person. I know I worked with a client that ignored me and I'm not going to name any names of this. This client was, um, just like a, a, you know, kind of a celebrity. And my program, right, was amazing work. Like it was working amazing for this one individual. And they was losing weight with me. And I noticed a pattern. And that's one of the, the things that I love to do when I work one-on-one with a person is look at the, figure out their pattern. And anytime this human being was under stress, they would lie and say that, I don't know why, I'm not losing weight or I'm not, I don't know why this. And I'm like, you're overeating. Oh no, I barely even ate. And then we go through their day 
And then you're starting, they usually overeat breakfast, lunch, overdrink coffee, two, you know, instead of two cups, four or five cups. And then I noticed that there was no, this person, it gets deeper. This person put themselves under a lot of stress because there's a feeling of not feeling good enough unless they over, they sacrifice their, themselves for other people. And what I mean by that is you run into a lot of people who sacrifice too much of themselves. It happened to me. That's one of the reasons why I gained weight last year. It's because I started noticing I was doing everything for everyone else. And then when it came down to time to do something for me, I had no energy to go to the gym. I had no energy to cook my meals. Well, that usually um, the surface, it surfaces from feeling like it, like you're not good enough or you're not enough. And the more you get into that, the more it becomes subconscious, automatic. And the more it becomes subconscious, you don't. the more you don't know who you are without stress. So you have to rebuild another human being when you're not stressed. When you're stressed, you probably, you know, you feel comfortable being stressed because you build the personality and the character and responsibilities with being so stressed. And then when you're not stressed, it may feel weird. Because when you're not stressed, you don't know who you are. Well, it's time to, to, I like to say this in a metaphoric way, kill the old version of yourself. Get rid of that old self. It's time to re-evolve. It's time to build a new you. There's things that you truly want to do that you're not doing because of stress. And some people, like myself, did not believe in stress until two, three years ago, until I had three panic attacks in one week. Scariest thing in my life. I was under so much, but I did not believe in I thought stress was a mindset. I used to work with women that were telling me they gain weight because of stress. I'm like, no, you gain weight because of calories. But the reason why they're overeating is because of stress. That was ignorant of me. I was 21, 22 years old, and I just graduated college. And that's when I was like, oh, there's a whole different level that I'm going to tap into. And then when I come out telling people or making videos about the importance of, you know, stress, you know, you get these little skinny guys who went to school to become a nutritionist, not a nutritionist, a dietitian, because I'm a nutritionist, a dietitian where they're under medical supervision and they're struggling with adrenal fatigue, they're malnourished and can't lift a 10 pound weight. They come on my videos telling me that I'm lying about how stress causes weight gain. And people can eat McDonald's as long as they count their calories. And, th and I'm like, oh, man. And the reason why I say that is because these are the people that make you feel like you're a liar. Those type of people. Not saying they all like that, but these those particular people will make you feel like you're crazy. Because you'll be going to these people and you you don't know why you lose, you're not losing weight. And some of those trainers that got their booty done and came back and got some Gymshark gear. And it's teaching you the reason why you can't get abs but they never had weight issues in their life. They make you feel less of yourself and make you feel like you're crazy. 
right? And I'm saying that to say, no, it, it, not everybody has a lot of stress in their life, right? So this isn't this podcast isn't for everybody, but at the same time, everybody's different. And some people that really, I know people who truly try to lose weight. I know people who truly try to change and they can't figure out why. And I try my best to figure out the why because I used to be like that. And I'm still like that. I have to be very careful how I'm managing my stress throughout the day. And a lot of it comes to my scheduling, but the, the making sure I don't put myself in fight or flight with nutrition that's in and coffee those are the number those are the first things I have to check off if I'm good with my nutrition and my coffee and when I get a client good on their nutrition and their coffee usually they're a lot better at decision making because they're not working from a, a safety and security perspective and they're not overwhelmed with small little things so just my my goal in this podcast is to bring give you consciousness on what what is fight or flight and then what it feels like to be stuck in fight or flight my next podcast, I'm going to be bringing you through the things to get out of being in fight or flight. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. We had a team meeting yesterday and we're debating on if we're going to call it Be Great with Nate Academy or Be Great with Nate University. But either way, I am bringing a platform with presentations of all these things, references for all these things, a community where we all can communicate with each other. I'm bringing on special guests, doctors, making mini courses for me. I just got a phone call yesterday and got approval from one of my mentors, Bob Finelli, who's one of the biggest physical therapists in the world and was a psychotherapist for about 20 years. And he's going to make some, he's going to make a mini course for us. Um, I'm, I'm going to do it with him because I want to act like a person who, who has questions so I can challenge these people and each of my guests that are going to be doing mini courses on there. So we're also going to have weekly meetings, weekly calls as a group. And I'm excited to be bringing that to you. So I just want to announce that. Again, um, not sure if it's going to be Be Great with Nate University or Be Great with Nate Academy, but it's going to be one of them. I'll see you in part two to this podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope the show gave you valuable information. If you did, take a screenshot, post it on social media, like your Instagram story or someone in your social and tag me. I will definitely get back to you. I really appreciate the love. Or you can easily just leave a rating or a review if you have the time. You don't understand how much those little things right there help me push this show to get more people like you to listen. If you want more Be Great With Nate, you can head over to BeGreatWithNate.com and I'll meet you there. Until next time, peace.